It's our first podcast. This is Marco. I'm Zach. And we're going to be talking about horror films. And as Zach says, we're the horror hags. Not hags. Um, We are the horror hags. (laughs) Um, So on today's list, we are going to be covering two relevant movies, an older style movie, and upcoming previews that we found really, really interesting and wanted to bring to your attention. Yay. On today's list, we have Suspiria. From 2016 and the Babadook and uh, for our older film we have Suspiria again from 1977 now this is the movie that really inspired me to push this project along because I found the duality of the films really interesting and I love 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 Tilda Swinton in this film mm-hmm. um, and I also felt like covering uh, newer more relevant movies of the last I don't know 10 15 years while we also bring movies pre-1990s into the spotlight, giving them their time of day. And I was alive back then, so I'll be the expert on that. <laughs> Marco has been a friend of mine for the last couple years, ever since I moved to New York. Yay. And I really wanted to get him involved in this project. It seemed like a great, great, great horror novelist and just exudes the horror genre. I try, honey. Um, I did notice that you did not give a year for The Babadook, and I looked it up. It's 2014. Um... And you said Suspiria was 2016, right? I think it was 2016. Well, let's double check. 2018. Oh, okay. okay. Even All sooner right. than I thought. All right. Yep, we got it. Um, so I actually saw Suspiria 2018 at the movies um, on Halloween night, which was great, mm-hmm. um, at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, which was quite an experience. Um, and being a fan of the original, obviously my expectations were very, very high. Um, I had read a little bit about it before going, um, and I knew that it was like a two and a half hour movie and, um, it was very different from the original, which I always appreciate. Um, yeah, it's like their own spin on things. You can't just keep copying the same movie over and over and over again. Right. And the detractors were like, well, you know, it should be a, a proper remake. And I'm like, wow, let's have a like new idea. Mm-hmm. Let's have a new vision, right? Right. And uh, the thing I also was, I don't know, I was reassured in the fact that it was, and I'm going to massacre his last name, but it was directed by Luca Guadagino, Nino? I don't know how to say it. Um, but obviously he did call me by my name, and he's an artist. Yes. Right? He's not a hack. No. He's an artist. Um. So, scenes that I appreciated from Suspiria, um, they had a lot of good cinematography as far as filming of the town they were in, kind of putting a narrative on the main character. Uh, what's her name? Susie? Susie Banyan. Susie I love that name. Banyan. Oh, yes. That's just like screams main character. Um, when she first got into the studio, first got into Germany, Berlin, she started just having these visions and these almost erotic nightmares Mm -hmm. um, which turned out to be something working in her favor later on in the movie right um 
fun fact, Zach. Yeah. Susie is spelled S-U-S-I-E in the remake, and it was spelled S-U-S-Y in the original. Not sure why that's fascinating to me, but it is. They should have just got you. You would think, you know, like getting the skirt from the first one, you'd be like, oh, Susie is Susie. Why they changed it? Oh, that's Luca being. Oh, actually, no. The original was S U Z Y. Um, it's Luca being, you know, an artist and making it his own. Like Suspiria, Susie. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I didn't I don't think know. about that. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Susie, Susie. Susie. Because, okay. oh. <laughs> right. oh my God, speaking of which, they speak French during that movie. The entirety of that film. They have German, they have English. Oh, right, right. But the main premise was that the witches spoke French. Right. And it was the language of love that they had to cast their spells from in the 2018 movie. So why the hell do I remember the German, but not the French? Because as an American watcher, it's hard for us, I think, to sometimes differentiate two different foreign languages being thrown at you at once if you're not bilingual. Right. Someone like me. But I am. You are? Yeah. I didn't know that about you. Hablo español, my darling. Oh, I mean, that's a very identifiable language. <laughs> are you calling it common? No. I'm, well, it is. All right. We're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, they threw, they mixed it in because so there they was were English? in Berlin. Okay. Right. So it's English, French, and German. Right. And the witches spoke French. French. Okay. Whenever they were doing spell-y stuff, oh, whenever they were doing yes. magic, it was all in French. It was almost like a language of love, right. they called it. And right. that, you know, exu- so it was romantic. So it had this romanticism. Yeah, yeah. At one point, Tilda Swinton, uh-huh. I don't, <laughs> I'm so bad. I always call her Tilda Swinton in blankety blank because she just exudes this energy <laughs> about her. Tilda's Tilda. I don't There's even know what the characters. What is her name? The in the the headmistress. So yes, yeah, so she's the headmistress, but she also plays Doctor Klemperer. Oh right. And do you remember the scene at the end where there's this like big old bloated witch? Yes. In like heavy makeup. Yes. That was Tilda Swinton. That's amazing. I can't. Oh, she played right. three parts. She played three parts. What a goddess. At least that's what I hear, oh, and I believe it. I believe it too. She's fantastic. Tilda can do anything. Now interesting that you say that you brought up the English, French, and German. Now, folks, for those of you listening, I did not do my homework. Like I mentioned earlier, I saw Suspiria on Halloween, um, and I haven't seen it since. Uh, however, the original I've seen many, many times, so I, don't, I didn't need to see it again before talking about it. But the original, as, you, as most of you probably know, is an Italian horror film. And back then, they would use, and I find this fascinating, they would use international casts. So you would have English-speaking actors like Jessica Harper, who played Susie Banyan, um, and you would have Italian actors, and you would have, there's a Spanish actor in it named Miguel Bosé, who's very hot, look him up. Um, uh, And he was Spanish. And then they had, you know, people from different countries. And what they would do with these movies is because nobody spoke the same language, everybody would say their lines in their own mother tongue. So the Italians would speak in Italian, the Germans would speak in German, the Spanish would speak in Spanish, and so on and so on. And they would use beats in order to, like, if I was saying my lines in Italian and you were responding in English, I would use some sort of a signal for you to, that was your cue to respond. And what they would do is they would dub these movies into English. So I find it fascinating that the new Suspiria mixed all those languages together. Interesting. Being someone I know, I should probably culture myself more. I (laughs) do not know how to speak French. 
I do not know how to speak German. Who of us does? I think it's beautiful <laughs> when it's being spoken. Yeah. But yes, there are three different languages in that movie. Mm-hmm. Now, something that I found interesting was during the old Suspiria, there's a part where Susie Banyan, mm-hmm. right, uh, is walking through her mistress's office and you come across a flag with all different languages on it. It wasn't just one or two different or just French. She will come across this flag with all different languages on it. I know this movie by heart, and I don't remember this scene. It's when she's going down a long... She just... Uh, they were telling her to turn the blue flower, the blue Right, orchid. right, towards the end. Yeah. Right, right. So she she turns it. Uh-huh. And this... this Spoiler alert. I know. Sorry. <laughs> this this doorway opens. And right. And she's going down no, it. No, I know this scene very well. And yeah. and on the wall, there's a big flag stretching the wall. Mm-hmm. Or even, maybe it's the uh, the wallpaper, and it has words in all different languages on it. It's so. wall, I think it's wallpaper. Yeah, it might be the wallpaper. I think so. Not a flag. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. But uh, I just thought that was interesting, and I thought, you know, maybe they were going to throw more languages in the old one. Because what I I had watched the first one first, and I didn't know it was a remake. Right. So you watched the remake first. When did you find out it was a, there was an original? Like a. I actually talked to my friend, um, and he said. Yeah, did you have you seen the original after we watched the first one together? And Sounds I'm like, like no, 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 you know, yeah. I didn't know. How am I supposed to know this kind of stuff? <laughs> right. Which is almost why I wanted to start this podcast. Right. But it was to talk about older films that may have been remade or like older films and their their almost presence in society. Right. Um, because I know for a lot of times, 70s, 60s, and then going back even further, they weren't the prefil- preferred film. Oh, you mean like horror movies? Yeah. Yeah, like horror movies were frowned upon. Yes, they were like yes. frowned upon. Or we, like... We, horror, horror watchers were in the closet, so to speak. <laughs> um, it was shameful. It was. Yeah. Stop that. Not anymore. Don't put that in the box office. <laughs> right. We went mainstream. Now it's main. That's it. Both the gays and the horror uh, movies. Oh, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new time. It's 2019. It's about damn time. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> now... I'm interested to hear your take Mm -hmm. because I'm of a different generation, right? And obviously, um, or maybe not so obviously, I saw the first Suspiria years before anybody ever thought to make a remake, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I have my opinion about it. I think it's a masterpiece, actually. Um, uh, But again, I'm from a different generation. So I'd be very interested to hear your opinion on the remake versus the original. So, when I watched it, I watched it last night. Right. So, I, um, it's very clear in my head about certain scenes. I really appreciated the lighting in that movie. That's what really drove this, the new, or sorry, I'm so sorry, the older version right. home to me. Well, the older version was stripped of color almost. It was very gray. It was. Yeah. But they had a lot of neon lighting. They had, like, red lights and green lights. And, and in had, the original? Yes. Right. The, but I'm comparing it to the new one. The new one is great. Yeah. Right, right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the new one is very void of color, almost right. in a depressing fashion, whereas the old one, mm-hmm. there were scenes of excitement. It was like a light neon green lighting versus an uh, evil or horrific session right. or uh, part of the town was lit up red or mm-hmm. like the room she was in was in this neon red because right. it was so evil or like the way that they just perceived atmosphere back right. then was so right. different than how they do it now. Mr. Dario Argento, he's a master. Yeah. Obviously the director of the original Suspiria. Um, what other things has he filmed? 
do you know? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Funny you should ask. Um, I'm actually, so I collect Blu-rays, so I can see them from here. Um, what has he directed? The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which was his breakout film, The Cat of Nine Tails, um, Deep Red, which is actually right up there with Suspiria as a masterwork, in my opinion. Um, he did a, an awful version of The Phantom of the Opera, unfortunately. Um, I can go on and on. I mean, he did Inferno. So wait, let me go back. So Suspiria, Inferno, and The Mother of Tears are all by Dario Argento. And, um, and um, it's kind of like a trilogy, right, of the witches. It's the witches movie. Mm -hmm. um, so Suspiria's Mother's Suspiriatum or whatever he right. calls it. Right. Um, and then Inferno was another witch. Um, Marcus. Oh, Elena Marcos, that's the witch. Uh -huh. That's the witch in Suspiria. But anyway, um, yeah, no, Dario Argento has a storied career in Italian horror. And he's still making movies. Mm. Yeah, he's lost a little bit of his magic, but he's still making movies. Oh my God, did I say that? <gasps> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> you just read her out loud. I just did. I Oof. just did. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I think another thing that differentiates um, the newer one and the older one was where a lot of the power was coming from. Right. Right. So I know with the older one, it was still considered a cult theme, but it felt more like a hack and slash film to me. It felt like, okay, here's this person, and then, oh my god, they were murdered. Or here's this person, and then, oh my god, they were also murdered. Whereas this Suspiria from 2018, it was like, here's this person. We're not sure why this person is getting mangled until you piece together that things are doing our part of an occult ritual right. that our friend Susie Banyan just seems to be wrapped up in at first seems to be just wrapped up in right. not sure um, and not even knowing her role almost mm -hmm. and being a part of these people and they twisted that a little bit right, right. Susie Banyan from Suspiria 1977 yes and Susie Banyan from what did we say it was 2018 2018 um, two very different characters two different yeah. Susies yeah. right which I thought that was you know really interesting to see because when I watched the original I assumed Susie Banyan was going to be this all-powerful demon mother. And that's, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. you got to stop me. Um, and that's brilliant that you just said that because in the new one, it's totally reversed. Right, right. totally reversed. Right, right, right. Totally reversed. And we don't know that the first time you watch through Suspiria, mm -hmm. right? The first time you watch through the new Suspiria, you almost put Susie, if you've seen the first one. If you've seen written, it, right. You almost right. like, oh, Susie Banyan, we know her involvement in this Suspiria. No, this Susie comes in, and the second time you watch it, you'll feel all this, has a known presence about her, and she acknowledges. Halfway through this film, there's a vivid, almost artistic dream, uh, orgasmic scene that you watch of her having these visions being a witch right and she even exclaims to the audience halfway through this i know who i am right and she lets you on to it it's very different right the first time you watch it you're like well who are you then girl <laughs> step up we don't know and this does not happen in the original no second right. time you watch the new one you'll 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 pick up on nice things even more right uh one of the earlier scenes tilda swinton who is just tilda swinton I forget. he's in love with tilda swinton people uh, the headmistress, I forget her name, and and what's her? I'm gonna look it up. Look it up. And Susie Banyan have this intense moment where, when Tilda Swinton asks Miss Susie if she's ready to dance, Susie gives her this affirming look, 
She's very and it's strong. exaggerated. She's very strong she, in the movie, right? You know? The character is very strong. Very exaggerated, yeah. and we don't know why it's so. It's almost bizarre to us as a first-time watcher. Right. But watching a second time, you know, it's her cluing her in on her own power. She realizes and wants Tilda to be aware of who she is. Wait, you mentioned Tilda Swinton's character's name before, Madame Blanc. How can we forget? How can we forget that? Madame right, Blanc. Right, right. Um, sorry. But um, I think there is a lot of rewatch value in the first and the second Suspiria, the newer Suspiria, and the first one since I've seen it over ten times. Yes. <laughs> um, what I I definitely need to watch it again. It's funny. One of the, so I'm I'm on IMDb, and one of the user reviews gives it a one out of ten, and it says, "Don't call it Suspiria. Don't even call it a movie." He didn't get it. He didn't like it. Um, you have to watch she. this as a very, very artsy film because it is. It is. You know? It's you brutal can, it's, too. It's not like a typical horror watch through, like a movie we're about to get to. This is a very artsy, um, metaphoric film. You have right. to look for. You have to look for the signs they give you. You have to look at the director's vision. You have to look at um, character inflections and way they say things and and pick up on the mood of the movie. Otherwise, it just won't make sense. Now, what's interesting is the uh, another huge difference, and it's a fundamental difference, between the original Suspiria uh -huh. and the remake is that the original doesn't have a story. It really doesn't. It's about a coven of witches and Susie Banyan discovering it. Right. Done. Done. Right? Suspiria. And in the ending of the movie, she just walks away satisfied and the credits roll. Right. That's a Dario Argento thing, too. If you guys have ever seen opera, which I, never, I didn't mention, it was something that he directed, um, it has scenes like that too. Like characters just walk away from these like very traumatic, life-changing things, and they don't really react. Um, but Italian movies of that era are not known for, and Suspiria being one of them, they're not known for their stories. They were stronger in imagery. So, and and what Zach covered before is the color scheme in the original Suspiria. Um, and the way, and we were talking about this before we started recording, um, the way some of the scenes were shot. Um, we were talking about a scene where Susie Banyan, and I'm going to say her first and last name every time I talk about her. Me too. I love her name. It's just like a... Love her name. Susie Banyan. Susie Banyan walks down the hallway, and there's a scene where, like, right, she's walking down the hallway, um, and then the kitchen staff is, like, chopping some meat, and that creepy little boy with the blonde hair is standing in there, and there's like this glitter thrown in the air, and it's almost—it's—it's—it's it's, it's almost like a dream. It's almost like having a nightmare, and there's some red in that scene yes. down the hallway. And I was telling Zach that if you freeze frame that scene, it's almost like a painting. So I think um, uh, Italian filmmakers back then were more interested in the aesthetics, right? What does this movie look like? Right. Um, Mario Bava, which we should cover in another podcast, used to do that too. Ooh. A lot, yes, Mario Bava. Oh my God, I love him more than Dario Argento. <laughs> I, if you could see my expression right now, you would know um, that I love this man. Um, so yeah, that was a common thing back then. Stories were thrown out the window, and it was more about um, the aesthetics and what what the movie really looked like. I can't wait to watch more of those films because you will. I'll make you. You better. <laughs> The way they just, I, I can't explain to you the lighting that this man pulled off in this movie, where, like Marco said, a lot of the times it looked like I was looking at a painting. Right. 
There's um, reds, there's greens, there's blues. Reds, greens, blues that look almost tacky if you were to use it in today's <gasps> film. Never it tacky. It does look tacky. Never tacky. But the way <laughs> that the entirety of the movie was filmed because the cameras didn't have as HD of a quality or, or they would just paint characters with a green right. to pr- project something. Paint characters with a dark blue when it's supposed to be mysterious and be careful or red just exudes evil or or almost an intensity about red that you have to be like i need to watch why right. is it red why is right. it bright red and if why you're old-fashioned is bright red if you're old-fashioned like me and you collect blu-rays and they're like really well done um these colors just pop right and some of suspiria which i've seen i've said it before i've seen like over 10 times when um this wonderful company called synapse uh released it on blu-ray um they really took a lot of care and time into restoring it um so these colors really pop from your screen um so that's something that i always appreciated the other thing i wanted to ask you as a viewer from a different generation (laughs) is like what did you think of like the the really gory killings were they because when i first saw them having not seen anything like that before in my life it was a shock right I don't know how it plays to a younger audience. So, I mean, some of them were really, you know, it, for the time, I, I drew drive factor that in. Some of them were a little like, okay, <laughs> you could have done that a little okay. cleaner. Right. Um, but there was a knife scene where they really get stabbed in the, the chest. In the heart. And I, I felt, <laughs> you see the heart. Oh, I just, And the I knife know, going in. Yeah. I felt that, you know, I, I okay. really felt that. And then... What freaked me out the most, because, you know, I had a late night when I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I was feeling some type of way. Yeah. She fell into this, like, barbed wire pit. Yes. And I can say that I felt that way looking at barbed Ooh. You know, so I can you, imagine did, touching it. Did you have alone. a reaction? I did. You did. And that was filmed in blue, by the way. Those, those colors are all yes. blue. Right. I mean, I felt the same way. But again, like, I saw it a million years ago, and... You know, oh, I, was I a shivered kid. a little bit because I, you know, I can okay. only imagine like every time you feel like you're free, the next barbed wire would just entangle you, and like she had all these cuts all over, and right. ugh, I could just feel the stinging almost. So those were practical effects because yeah. they didn't have CGI back then, right? Um, and so, I, what is your opinion on so seeing those practical effects? And now we heard how you felt, how they made you feel. How did you feel about the CGI in? that was very prevalent in the fur in the last like half an hour maybe 20 minutes of the new Suspiria. I liked it because it was used in an artsy way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't used to compensate for not having real people do the things. Right. It was used in a way to over exaggerate the ending. Okay. Like, I had a different reaction. Okay. But that's that's my take on it, right? right. Because right. there's some CJ on that film which I thought was beautifully done. When the girl was the first murder that we witness mm-hmm. with Susie Banyan's dancing right and she is just absolutely mangled you felt that every crack pop uh, it just looks so organic that it but still cgi right but, but i wasn't like oh my god how are they doing this i was more focused on oh my god i can feel that i have a pain there i have oh i can imagine if that was just a little bit more a little bit more and then she's almost this human compact garbage piece she's like a pretzel yeah yeah but, and they hoist her away like one too. They just hook and hike it out of there. They did. Which Gone. Was, which was a bit of a shock. Right. But I think for me at least, that scene and the scene works, right? Mm-hmm. It's brutal and it works. 
there's some obvious CGI there. They have to do it. There there's no way the scene could have worked, I think, with practical effects, or maybe it could have. I don't know. I'm not a makeup artist. Right. But I think um, the intensity of that scene had a lot to do with the sound effects. Yes. Because you heard crunching oh, and popping. Oh, the sound. Whoever did the sound for that movie knew what they were right. doing. Right. Oh, you felt every single pop, crack, splinter. Uh, I... The girl, Puma Girl, is like so just discombobulated. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, she even like pees herself and you hear everything. Oh my gosh, she pees herself. Yes. I forgot about Which that. Which is such a natural <laughs> instinct for animals in pain. You know, animals well, in pain at sometimes at their dying moments will piss themselves and be on their way, as so they say. I mean, gone. Well, don't you like kind of pee yourself and shit like that? No pun intended. <laughs> when you die? Yes. So it's yes. kind of real. It's a it's real, real. It's a real. Nobody, human nobody reaction. Right. Nobody wants to depict that in movies, but I think it happens. Right. Yeah. I think that's what they're going for. It's overly gruesome, <laughs> because now you can pay attention, whether you understand or not. You right. know, shit just got real. No matter what. <laughs> again, language, no pun intended. Again, no yeah. pun intended. But whatever language you're listening to, tuning into, shit just got real at that moment. Okay, so language again, right? Mm -hmm. So I talked to you about how these movies were filmed back then in different languages and uh -huh. it was all dubbed into English. How did you feel about the dubbing in the original Suspiria? Did it take you out of the movie? Was it weird? Well, I watched it in um, a foreign language. It was in English. There's an English version. The original Suspiria? Yeah. What did you watch it in Italian? Oh yeah, it was in Italian. What the fuck? I watched oh, the can whole. We, can we post on the podcast? <laughs> I I just thought that was. Oh my god. It was no. in Italian. Yeah. It was in Italian. I watched it in Italian. You watched it in Italian. Yes, because I do not did not pay for it. Oh, he didn't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Okay. And so you read subtitles. Uh huh. Interesting. But I'm also a huge fan of anime, so that wasn't a problem for me. No, I'm not saying it's a problem. I I was just it's. What I was going to ask you was, so these movies, because they were dubbed into English, the mouths never match what the, the Ever. what's coming out of their Ever. mouth. So the mouths move one way and what they're saying is another. No. Which is, I don't know if you guys get the concept, but it's just weird. Listen, I'm 24. I'm an anime fan. I'm not I telling you how old I have a account. Like, <laughs> it's all in Japanese, you know. And I right. watch subtitles, but I also understand what's going on. Where? I know they have English dubs, but yeah. honestly, because because it's a Japanese out, um, sorry, art form. Yeah, I, it's supposed to be watched in Japanese, and like a lot of that stuff is personified in the Japanese dubs, whereas the English right. dubs I feel a little left out. Again, I think that's also maybe why I enjoyed the first one too, is because it was in Italian. It's an Italian film. But nobody was well. Only a few people were speaking Italian on set. Right. Um. So it was. They always dub them. I'm just fascinated by the fact that you watched that in Italian. It yeah. must have been a totally different experience. I just assumed it was. Although I have to say, I think the Blu-ray has an I Italian track. Yeah. Right. Let me pull out the Blu-ray, shall yeah. we? Absolutely. I'm going to go get it. That's why I thought it, because when I watched it last night, I watched them back to back. And I was already like used to hearing you know, German and French from the first one. <laughs> You're like, fuck it. I'm and just going like, oh, to okay, watch it in Italian. Definitely was just in Italian. Okay. Right. Did not so... know that. So I pulled out the Blu-ray, and yeah, there is an Italian track. Why am I surprised? I should know this. <laughs> I should know this. It's an Italian movie. There's an Italian track with removable subtitles. I should probably watch it in Italian at one point. It'll definitely do things for you because... <gasps> it will? Oh, it yeah. will. Okay, then I'm fancy. definitely watching it in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 
I, I wouldn't know better because I'm not going to say where I got this film from, mm. but the only file available to me was Italian. And so I just opened it up, watched it like that was the original film, did not know there was an English dub. So Now you know. Now I know. Look how pretty the artwork is on the Blu-ray. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you take away the slip, slip cover thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all red and blue. Looking. Oh, look at her face! Susie Banyan, right on there the she front is, cover on the Blu-ray. Uh, yep, great little face. I think I like Susie Banyan from the 2018 film, though. Oh, oh she was really? Just a bad bitch. We Over, love bad bitches. I'm sorry. Over Jessica Harper, the original Susie Banyan with a Z Y. Z Y Susie. Susie with a Z. For, the, a, for those of you old enough to know, Liza with a Z. You know, that's what I referenced. <laughs> sorry, Zach. Uh, Susie Banyan from 1977 is a fucking badass bitch. Badass, but in a righteous, you know, I'm coming through to clean this shit up type of way. <laughs> Susie Banyan from 2018 was like, well, this is my house. Why are you in my house? I'm taking my house back. She has an, her identity is much more defined yes. than the Susie Banyan in the 1970s. More sinister. More, right. Not so much good versus bad, but almost like good evil versus evil within itself. Right. You know, there wasn't like a good guy, bad guy, which is common for a lot of early horrors. There was a good guy or nice person or like protagonist versus an antagonist, where a lot of horror that we watch nowadays is antagonist off of further antagonist. Someone who is more evil than the last. Someone retaking their power. Like Dark Side, uh, Darth Sidious, Darth Vader, Siths replace themselves as kind of the villain we saw in Susie Banyan in 2018, reclaiming of the title of her witchhood. I don't know what you just said, <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Whatever you say, Zach. <laughs> I saw it there. Um, what I do have to say is Jessica Harper, who plays Susie Banyan in the first uh, Suspiria, is uh, a fantastic actress. Or do we say actor these days? Oh, am I being politically incorrect? Mm. She's a fantastic actor, um, and she's wonderful. I follow her on social media, and she has a good sense of humor. She did a cameo in, I don't know if you caught that, but she did a cameo in the uh, remake. Um, She was, towards the end, she was Dr. Klemper's lover. Oh, is that who that was? That was Jessica Harper, who played the original Susie Banyan, yes. Because um, earlier in the film, we watched one of the uh, caretakers stalk um, Sarah. And when Sarah and mm. the old head, uh, headmasters comes like eye to eye, she turns into the lover. Right. Almost kind of foreshadowing. All sorts of weird stuff going on. All there. sorts of weird stuff. But right. we later see her again, luring the doctor back to the hospital. Yes doctor following her willingly yes she's like oh my god clearly the love of my life is here now at this moment of dire but there she is and so he follows yes now can we take a trip down memory lane yes okay so when i was a little kid very very little um i went to the movies with my mom like she took me to the movies i don't know what we went to see but There was a preview for Suspiria, 1977, obviously. Um, And I'll never forget. That was one of those things that was seared into my memory forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, I was too young to go see the movie. So there was no question in my mind that my mother's going to take me to see this. But anyway, the the trailer was, um, it was like a nursery rhyme being recited. 
and it was a woman with her back to the camera. She had long black hair and she was combing her hair as they're reciting this nursery. And then um, all of a sudden, this woman with her back to the camera turns around and the face is a skeleton. It's a skull. And it has an orchid in the hair. Of course, I had no idea what the orchid meant until I saw the movie, right? right? But it was one of those, and, and the tagline was, the only thing more terrifying than the last 10 minutes of this film are the first 90. So as a kid, I was like, oh my God, I have to see this movie. I have to. Yes. So that was, and I think the trailer's in the Blu-ray as an extra. What I've noticed is with trailers, with older films, they tell you a little bit of the story that you don't know already. This one has told you nothing about the story. Whereas when I watch a trailer <laughs> nowadays, I feel like I've seen the entirety of the movie in mm, 30 mm-hmm. minutes. And right. so, you know what I mean? When I watch a trailer for Suspiria from the 1970s, you might not get so much. Whereas if you watch a trailer for something like, I don't know, what's big right now? Ma's coming out. Yes, that's what Ma. I want to cover. Annabelle, mm-hmm. that's coming out. Right. Um, the, a trailer that really, really hit home for me was Hereditary. Oh, Do you well, remember that yes. movie? Oh, I'll never forget it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people haven't seen it. And a lot I of people think, hate it. And a lot of people hate it for different reasons, but right. you need to watch it with the right lens. And I think people who really love horror would really appreciate that. Yes. The trailer for that movie was awesome because it completely threw you off when you watched the original yeah. movie. Yeah, it doesn't tell you too, too much, right? Right. It's like you still want to see the movie. Still want to see the movie. Right. But it's not like you understand what's happening. I still went into that movie confused as hell. I'm like, what is going on? Wait, until during the movie or when you walked walked, walked out um, um during the movie okay during the movie i was like what the hell is going on when i walked out i was like this is awesome i want to see it again right we have to, you know what we should see it again yes. and then do a podcast about that'll it. that'll be on episode two is hereditary episode two episode that's confer- two. confirmed to your people you've heard it here first <laughs> hot <laughs> off the press it's confirmed hereditary's um, next what is it avi avi what is it the director oh I don't remember, but I'm going to look it up. Yeah, look him up. Uh, he's also doing Midsummer, Yes. Which is a movie I'm very excited for uh, upcoming. And um, we're excited about it because of the trailer. The trailer. Yeah. And uh, this is his second box office film. The first one, breakout box office film, is Hereditary. Right. And I thought it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And w- yeah, and we'll talk about it during the next t- the next podcast, but like, th- there's very strong acting right. there, too. Uh Ari Aster. Ari Aster. You've heard it here. Yes. <laughs> Episode two. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Ari and his movie Hereditary. So there's another movie I want to talk about today. Um, one that was really impactful, um, primarily because it did become a pride icon at one point. The Babadook. Mr. Babadook. Mr. Babadook. Yep. You just saw it, right? I just saw it. Yep. I thought it was fantastic. I haven't seen it in a long time, so my memory's fuzzy. Um, it's definitely a film that has a lot of rewatch value. Um, you get to see a lot of facial expressions that need a couple of more things in the beginning of the movie. You understand more of the monster rather than being completely confused the first time you take in the Babadook. Because a lot of the times, if you don't delve into what the Babadook is, you assume him to be a paranormal possession. Right. He wasn't? And he's not. Look at his face. Isn't he cute? Oh, he's so <laughs> just... Work it, Babadook! I just pulled up a picture of Mr. Babadook himself. Oh. The Babadook 
when you rewatch it, becomes a manifestation of her depression about her husband. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's more of a psychological thriller right. than a horror movie. And uh, I believe the Babadook is more of a, of a personification of her depression and, right. and what she goes through. And because a big tagline of that movie is, once you let me in, you cannot let me out. I've said that to many a man. The depression. <laughs> Did I just say that? No. We've had too much wine at this oh point. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Um, Babadook. Babadook. Yeah. I didn't like it. You didn't like it? No. I mean, I saw it before the big hoopla. Um, Talk I th- about that a little bit. Yeah. I what happened? I thought it was okay. Um, I mean, look, I watch a lot of horror movies, so I'm always on the hunt for the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, and from what I understand, it became a huge gay cult film because it was misclassified on Netflix yes. as an LGBTQ yes. movie, which I think is hilarious. Um, and the the way I found that out, oh, it's a trip down memory lane again. Oh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That'll be like a big thing. Like lights will go off. Oh my God, we have to get like When a we theme. start yeah, filming, yeah. yeah. Have, yeah. <laughs> um, but for now, you have to just listen to me say it, unfortunately. So as I was saying... Um, I found out that Baba Duke was a gay cult thing um, when uh, I was on Fire Island, and I was staying at a friend's house, and we had these guys come over, these young guys, and at a certain time at the night, they were like, "Okay, we have to go home now and watch Baba Duke," and it was almost midnight, and I said to my friend Greg, "I'm like, why are they going home to watch Baba Duke?" Right, and he said, "It's oh, it's a gay." phenomenon <laughs> and i didn't understand why and then i looked it up and it was because netflix had misclassified it right. um into an lgbtq film um which I'm i thought was sure they, they came out with a statement saying like hey we just messed up it wasn't did they acknowledge it i think yeah. so okay. i think so <laughs> there's nothing gay about baba duke to me no i mean like some people try to point together, you know, the closet and him coming out, but it, it definitely wasn't. It was just a personification of her depression about her dead husband, right? I agree, and I think it's more of a psychological horror film than um, some sort of gay um, subtext thing. Listen. I forgot the coaster. <laughs> he never puts a glass on the coaster. Put your glass on the coaster. So, I mean, if the Duke was like... and. It, like, uh, I don't know, um, if it was meant to stand for coming out of the closet, right, and and being yourself versus being in the closet and not being yourself, why would this gay person who's in the closet look like the Papa Duke? Honestly. No self-respecting gay man would look like that. Right. I'm sorry. Right. We would be prompt, kempt, put. <laughs> and prince, not look like the Papa Duke. And not look like the Papa Duke. <laughs> And if you were unfortunate enough to look like the Baba Duke, you would at least do your hair. Yes. Yes. The one thing, you know, the one thing I have to say about the movie that was very impressive to me was the kid. Uh, Noah Wiseman oh, is his name. We Incredible are. Incredible performance. Love to hate him. Love to hate him. That's right. that character. Yeah. He played it so well in the beginning. You thought that was going to be the character through the whole film. You're like, I hate this little kid. He was annoying. Oh. Yeah. Anything that came out of his mouth. I think there's a meme circulating the internet about Pro- this kid. Probably. You know? Um, just pure just outrage. He was amazing. And I, you know, as I, as I watched it, I kept thinking to myself, 
what must have it felt like for this kid? I don't know how old this kid was when, when the movie was filmed, but like it must have been very strenuous emotionally mm-hmm. to do these scenes. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how his parents gave him permission. This was a low-budget movie. I don't know if there was a psychologist on staff. I don't know, but that's a lot of emotion to take in. Even as an adult, I mean, losing your father. Right. And, a, you know, you have never met because he didn't meet his father ever. I don't remember that. Okay. Because his father, the whole thing was his father died. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> on the car ride to give birth to the son, right? So the son has never met the father. And then the mother being so overly depressed. Yeah. On a day that's supposed to be happy. The day that you give birth to your child is supposed to be a pure, happy day. It's very It's tainted. Right by the death of her husband and that is where the babadook comes to life is in that weird in-between ground of happy day versus completely strenuous day it's a very very dark movie and it you know like zach said it kind of like (laughs) gives you insight into her state of mind Right. And the dark places that she was the, the dark place that she was in. Right. Yes. And, you know, I talked about the kid, Noah Wiseman, and his incredible performance. But I have to say the woman who played Amelia. Yes. Right. S.C. Yeah. Davis. Um, she was amazing, too. Like these were two very, very strong performances. And I think the movie is driven by the performances more yes. so than the horror aspects, yes. in my opinion. I mean, I think the scariest, the part, the part where I had the most chills was the book, right? Because they Mm -hmm. found the book, they went through the book and it became a story tale of like a dark story for a bedtime, right? For the kid. Um, Later on, the mother is like, okay, I'm going to get rid of this book. It comes back to her all taped up in a maniacal way and left at her doorstep. She's greeted by three big pounds. Who left it there? The Babadook himself. <gasps> oh my god. Yes. Okay. Because when she rereads the book, she finds pages that were blank before, stating, Now you've let me in, I'm coming for you. You right. know? Now and uh, I won't be lying about the power that I have. It's so overwhelming and it shows the mother being consumed by the Babadook, almost puppeteering the Babadook, which is personifying her depression about right. the entirety. It shows her killing the dog. It shows her killing the son. It shows her killing herself, even. It's very dark. It's very graphic. And the book is probably the scariest part of the movie. So, like I mentioned earlier that I haven't seen it in a long time, so my memory's fuzzy. Did they show the dog being killed? Um, yeah. They did? That's kind of taboo well, in movies. Well, well, not as much as, like, um, I Am Legend, right? That was a huge controversy. Um, they showed, they implied it earlier, right? So you knew it was happening okay. when it was happening. <coughs> they showed her and the dog, her in a very aggressive state. Mm-hmm. She was very like Babadook-ish. Um, and she goes over to the dog, picks him up. We see her pick up the dog and then we see her drop the dog mm. after the noises were made. I mean, okay. so like you can infer that she broke his Just, neck. Right. Yeah. So basically, they show her killing the dog. Basically. Right. Yeah. This is my favorite Babadook meme. Shows him with a purple feather boa and um, suspenders, like rainbow flag suspenders. Oh, yeah. And flamingo glasses. <laughs> and a t shirt that says, Get ready to be Baba Shook. And Baba Shook. Baba Shook. Baba Shook. Shook. It's funny. I think that all these memes that came after it 
gained some notoriety. It did. In the, Right, it, but it like lessens the impact of the movie because uh, the, they're right, hilarious. Right, right. But in a, in a like what kind of way? Like we always want to try to make our depression seem easy, Ooh. happy, friendly, easy to conquer. I think it's a nice. That's some serious. We want to right be there. able to conquer our depression. And I think it's a little easier to face when we see Baba Shook shooking around, <laughs> just fucking death dropping. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, I think our and almost like makes fun of our depression and like. Uh, well, it's not a funny thing. Not a funny thing. But it makes it easier to conquer, I think. I would hope so. I mean, it's a hard thing to conquer, but I guess that's a discussion for another time. Another time, another right? day. We don't want to like be Debbie Danvers here. Yeah. Do you remember the ending? I don't. Okay. The ending is it, he's kept in the basement. <laughs> he can't catch a break. Right. <laughs> right. The Babadook is now Shook in the basement. <laughs> um... Mother is totally aware of the Babadook's presence, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. is why I think it personifies the depression because she's aware of the presence of the Babadook. She's kept away, and she has to feed it worms. Oh my God, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, this is this is the last part of the movie. So she has to feed it feed it worms. Feeds it worms, oh, like right? That. And and we don't see it at okay. this point. It just kind of takes the worms, eats it, and spits out the food dish. So the Babadook physically takes. The worms? It's like it's like uh, telekinesis. Well, what is it? Where they just move things with their mind. Yeah. Um, it just telekinesis. comes. Yeah. It comes to the Babadook. He eats. We hear it eat, and it spits it back to the mom. Mm. And she is aware of the presence of the Babadook, kept in the basement where no one else can go except her. Right. He's there, but she doesn't let him out. And that's where the movie kind of ends. I should have seen it before this. I just couldn't bear to, <laughs> because I didn't like it the first time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it would pro- it would make it easier for you to talk about because it's so relevant in your head, right? You know, right. I was gonna. Um... I know it's a lot to ask. You know, off off. I know it's a lot to ask to watch like three or four films in a week. No, like, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. I just didn't have fun watching it the first time, so I was reluctant to watch it a second time. It's okay time. to hate it, but then you can come in with those strong feelings, and it would make for a good discussion. And that, yes, want to pick up there? No, you're right because, and and this has happened to me many many times. I will see a movie for the first time and not like it. Yeah. And then being the horror fanatic that I am, I'm like, you know what? Like a year later, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna give that movie a second chance. I thought right? that way about Suspiria. Right. And then a lot we, of people feel that way about Suspiria. The, the remake. The remake. The remake. Because they watched it and they're like, what the fuck? The first time through. Why was it so extreme? Why did it change like that? Why did she become the head of the witches? I thought she was just a dancer. But when you watch it and pick up on the nuances. Right. A second time. Well, you, you, you catch a lot of stuff that you missed. You watch a character differently. Right. You watch people differently. You Instead of viewing them as like a nuanced dancer, you view them as a mother witch trying to get back to her home and how she you view the characters differently yeah well i mean it's yeah it's a different experience because one you know things that the second time that you didn't know the first right so you can kind of like put that to rest and pick up on the things that you missed the first time it also depends on your mood so every time you watch a movie you're in a different mood. There's something different going on in your life. You might be smoking so a little bit before you watch I it. I don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, and we, I don't endorse. We could talk. <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, it's a different experience every time. Like, I remember watching a movie called, I think it was called Reckless, with okay. Daryl Hannah 
and oh my god i'm forgetting the guy's name but it was like a love story and it was really sad and i cried and it was it it, it, it impacted me but i was going through a breakup at the time right. right and then i watched it a few years later i'm like this movie sucks <laughs> all right i wasn't going through a breakup right. anymore you were just watching so it was a different it. experience right. yeah yeah um so yeah maybe if i watch the babadook now it'll be different i hope maybe you get the whole because the whole time i was waiting for like a big babadook moment right a big one there's a couple there's when a couple. it comes out i yeah. think they're nuances i think they're very like slight when they could have been over dramatized because we've been waiting we've been waiting for this guy to come out the entire movie right and when he comes out we just kind of see him a little bit here and there yeah I wish they personified the Babadook a little bit more when she was killing the dog, or when she almost stabs her son, or when she. I wish there was more Babadook, less deranged mother. Well, you know, I don't know. Um, did we need the Babadook in those scenes? Those scenes were very intense. They were. She's killing a dog. Like, yes. Whatever. So, uh, do we? Did we need the Babadook popping out of those at that point? I don't know, but I think they made the presence of his character really strong. Yeah, where like the entire like like almost Friday Thirteenth, right? When you see that movie, mm -hmm. you expect to see a Jason. little Freddy, little Jason. Yeah, Freddy was Nightmare on Elm Street, my oh. darling. Uh, Freddy's damn. Friday the Thirteenth. Goddamn, this is why I'm here, people. I Gosh. keep him in check. Mm. I do, and I feed him wine. Yeah, too. This is my like fifth glass and cashews and cashews. Yeah. I've been eating. I, I eat your half <laughs> dark. Do it. <laughs> so um, I'm sorry, you were saying about Freddy. No, Jason. Jason. Right. Pick one. Freddy versus <laughs> Jason. Jason. Freddy versus Jason. That well, was that's a great a whole, one. That's uh, a different podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Right. Right. <laughs> um, okay. But you you have this presence of a character mm -hmm. in your head about when you watch Friday the 13th. Right. right. You have this vision of Jason. He's this big guy with a hockey mask and a machete. It's a, it's a character presence. The Babadook gave me the same vibes. It's this tall, lanky dude with fingers and a top hat. Yeah. See what I'm saying? And you expect presence. He, if he was just like ghost, or if he was just like paranormal entity and he was presented to you that way, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have expected much character. But because he was so, here's his top hat. Here's his little fingers. He's going to do things with his fingers or like have little moments. What's he going to do with his fingers? Oh, he's going to do yeah. things with these long, you know what I mean? I wanted more presence when they were just like, oh, here, here he kind of is. I didn't need more more of it. I didn't need more Baba Duke in the movie because it was a manifestation of her psychosis. Right. Right. And her psychosis is very evident yes. in the movie that yes. I remember. Right. So those were strong, impactful scenes to me yes. that the Baba Duke was not present in. Right? right. So I think the less is more approach worked, in my opinion. That's not your opinion. You wanted more Baba Duke. I wanted more. I was fine with less Baba Duke. Right, because yeah. I really wanted to see her lose herself to the point where she's killed her dog. Does that make sense? But we saw that. Right. But we didn't see the evolution of her mind that way. I feel like there'd be more... I feel like it was kind of light. Very light. And then it was a little bit of Babadook. And then it was Insta, I'm killing dogs. Whereas I know a lot of people who experience depression mm -hmm. have different levels. Right. They have days where they feel like they're almost ready to kill their dog. But not 
right there. Don't kill your dogs. People. Don't kill your dogs. Um, I, this is Zach's close up. Is it close up moment? Is that what you call it? This is Zach's An inner look. An inner look. <laughs> An inner look at the Babadook. Yeah. Whatever that is. You know, I, I wish that we saw more steps down rather than an elevator from like top to bottom. Because we witnessed like same mother, mm-hmm. kind of. Was she ever sane though? No. But Not in the movie. I mean, Before we, the movie, she was. Right. We witnessed like an average sane mother into, into, oops, I just spilled a cashew. I'm killing my dog in the kitchen. Or I'm looking at um, roaches' holes in the Ooh, walls. God. Do you roaches. remember that? No. She, I got to watch these movies before we do this podcast. <laughs> no, I know. That makes it so much easier. It really yes. does. I mean, um, you can all surmise that I've seen the Suspiria and they're well cemented in my brain. Baba Duke, not so much. She like has this vision of like a ribbed hole in her wall where cockroaches are just spewing everywhere, right? That was a great scene because the child protective services were like, "What hole in your wall? There's no hole in your wall." And she goes into this. Oh, maybe I meant hole in my wallpaper, but she knows it's a fucking hole in her wall with cockroaches spewing everywhere. She sees cockroaches throughout the movie. I wanted more of those nuances Mm. of like, I'm not really in reality anymore. I'm seeing things now. I'm seeing these cockroaches. I'm seeing. You know, black just consumed my car with the Babadook appearing over top. It was like I wanted more of those nuances, and we had them subtly throughout the end, and I wanted more. Babadook remake? I wish. Too soon? Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Okay. What else do we need to talk about? Trailers. Trailers. You want us to talk about trailers? Let's talk about trailers. Ma. Well, oh, Ma. 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 Okay, so Ma's already out, right? So we're talking trailers, but Ma's already out. Right. I did read somewhere where somebody was very upset that during the first, and I haven't seen it. So I haven't I, seen so it. So I don't either. know. Right. Yep. But I read somewhere on social media that somebody was very upset, a, um, a, a film goer, a theater goer, um, about some homophobic content during the first 15 minutes. Interesting. Yeah. Was it there to draw a point though? I haven't I don't seen know. it. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I'm we're going off of trailers here. Right. Right. I haven't seen it yet, and I can assume that someone, especially who would put Octavia, we love Octavia. I was gonna say Octavia can't allow no homophobic content in a she movie. She is beautiful. And I'm so glad she's getting a forefront role. She's yes. out there. It's it's, it's time. her it's movie. Time. It's time. Although how much does she get paid? I hear that the budget on that movie was five million dollars, which is I not a lot. Don't know anything about let's that. Let's hope let's hope most of it was her salary. I'm looking she at, deserves it. Girl, I'm from New York City and her face is on every single subway stop. Her face That's worth is everywhere. Yeah. I am so happy this person is getting the spotlight they deserve. Because she's been in everything, a lot of support roles, a lot of interesting support roles. I heard, well, I saw something where Jessica Chastain said to her, you're going to be in my next movie that I'm producing and I'm getting you equal pay. That's another, you know, that's obviously off topic, but I thought that was very interesting and and great. Yes, we love Octavia. Um, Annabelle, creation. Annabelle. Is that what it's called? No, No, that was the last one. That was already out. What's the new new Annabelle? Um, I was not impressed. I was not impressed with the trailer. I'm not anymore because they have so many. I know. I can't keep track. They need to stop. This Apparently, is like Shrek. I can't keep track because I don't know what the title is. Exactly. Right. I don't want to Shrek 13. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> knock it off. Just just stop. We had a great film run. I loved Annabelle. Listen, I loved Annabelle. Yeah. And I'm going to see this new one. I'm going to see called. the new one. Absolutely. I wish they would stop. 
I'm nah, still gonna well, see it. Yeah. I mean, make more, make a difference, make a different thing. Just don't give us the same thing recycled. We need new, new, new. But we're only judging it by the trailer, right? So we don't know. It might be original. It, it might be, be fantastic. fantastic. It might be right. wonderful. It might have a Patrick Wilson nude scene, which I'm uh-huh. all for. Oh, it's called Annabelle Comes Home. Annabelle Comes Home. Yes. Vera Farmiga. Annabelle another takes her dog wa- for a walk. Wait, <laughs> Vera Farmiga, another amazing actor. Okay. Right? You know Vera Farmiga? She what was just was she in Godzilla. In? Oh. What was she in? She was in Bates Motel. Oh. One of the best television series to, to ever air. Right? She was in Orphan. She oh. She was in The Departed. She was up in the air. We got her Orphan on. That's a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Um, Actually, she was in another movie. That yeah, one was, it was popular. It, right. Um, She's been in a lot. She's, a, she's wonderful. And Patrick Wilson, who is so hot, he's in it, of course. That's Patrick Wilson, dear Zach. Oh, wait. Oh, oh. Look, hey, there you go. Oh, right. From Insidious, Patrick right? Wilson. Yep. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's coming out soon, July, I think. Uh-huh. Um, what other trailers have we seen? Midsummer. Oh, right. Uh, How come Ari. About that? Uh, boy, Ari. Boy? Boy. Uh, let's hope so. <laughs> Gender neutral. God. Um, they, Ari. But that'll be out, I think, in July as well. Um, so that'll be fun. Well, I as fun wait. as a horror movie. Hereditary was such a knock out of the park that I'm waiting. And you know what? We talked about the strong performances in Babadook. Hereditary. Same Tony Collette was robbed of an Oscar nomination. Oh! She should have gotten one. Oh my and, god. We're those gays. Right. Right. And um, we are. And I have to say, um, Alex Wolf, who played the son. Yeah. There's a scene. We should do a def- different podcast That's about this. That's the next this. one. Right. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to shut up now. But he's amazing in this movie. He's a very talented actor. And we'll talk more about him more in, a, in another episode. Episode two. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, well, I think that wraps up uh, the horror hags. Part one, yes. Episode one. This is one. clearly the end. Thank you for indulging us. Yes, thanks for, for giving us a listen, giving us a chance. Um, you could tune in next week for the next episode of the horror hags and follow our horror adventures. Yay. Yay. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you.